Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. Get into the heart of the matter, and um, which we're really looking at things that are really, I suppose, are in our hearts and get to the heart of a, of a particular issue. In, uh, that we find in the, in the Bible, that we find in our lives. And today I'm going to talk about, not that the title really tells you anything, Alien Encounter. And you'll know from that title that I didn't think of that. <laughs> Mine would have been a lot more simple. That was John Taylor, yes. John, John Taylor came up with it, Alien Encounter. So we're getting to the heart of aliens. And, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, The truth is that many things divide us. So so can we go to that first slide? Many things divide us. And um, I don't know about you, but as I grew up, I I definitely at times grew up where that image was my experience. I'm the red one, by the way. (laughs) Yeah? So that that was my experience. And there's a number of things that that picture uh, tells us. You, you could feel divided um, because of your race. You could feel divided because of your culture. You could feel divided because of your language. You could feel divided because of your gender. You could feel divided because of your perspective. You could feel divided because you're a Christian and other people around you are not Christian. You could feel divided. You could feel on the outside. Many things divide us. The truth is that if you took away the, per- the red person, the blue people wouldn't necessarily know that anything could divide them because everything's the same. But when you put someone in there who is different, you then begin to realize, oh, actually, sometimes things divide people in their relationships. Now, One of the ways that we respond to division is we kind of think, well, if we learn to to celebrate our differences, then that's a good thing. That's a positive thing. We celebrate our differences. Now, if if you're the red person, you probably don't want to celebrate your differences. Yeah? Because you're already aware of your differences. The last thing you want is people to say, we're blue and you're red. Let's celebrate together. You, you don't want that. That's the last thing you want. If you are, you know, if you're, a, you know, a girl and you're in a group and it's all men around you, you don't want them to start talking about and celebrating gender difference. You don't want them to do that. Just, just leave that out. Let's talk about other stuff. You'll know if you've ever been in a situation where you have felt on the outside that celebrating your differences can actually sometimes lead to greater division rather than less division. It doesn't actually do what we sometimes think it does. You think about our culture over the last few years. How many of us, and we don't need to answer this question, how many of us have done diversity awareness training days? How many of us have done things that are there to help us understand difference, to to appreciate people who are different? How many millions and millions of pounds have we spent on that kind of thing right throughout our nation? How many guidelines do we know about? How many laws are we aware of? Yet in many ways, 
we are more divided now than ever. We're more divided than ever. In reality, that kind of desire to understand and know and celebrate difference doesn't actually bring about greater unity. Often it brings it leads to greater division. You think of um, uh, a story like Romeo and Juliet or West Side Story, um, where really the story is about difference between these two families and there's hostility. And if you think about the Romeo and Juliet story, in the end, you don't see them all dancing down the road together. It ends in tragedy. In, even in the story, it was difficult to bring it all together and make it as though everyone comes together and there is unity and peace and love. We might want that, but that often isn't where it ends up in the world in which we live. The Bible paints a different picture. Now, I mean, this doesn't come out of the Bible <laughs> directly, and John acknowledged that. He wasn't trying to say the Bible, but there is a picture that the Bible paints that says, oh, actually, aliens, people on the outside, foreigners, can become one of us. We might want that in life, but the Bible actually paints a picture where that is possible. Not only can they become one of us, let's go to the next slide, they can be part of us. They can build with us. They can join with us. We're not serving the alien. The alien is serving with us and becomes part of us. It's a very, very different picture that the Bible paints, that the gospel paints. Foreigners and aliens come into peaceful relationship together and they build. How is that possible? Because humanly, that is not possible. Uh, and I'm not trying to be, oh, you're just being a downer, Owen. No, I'm not trying to be downer. You and I know it is not possible. We have done everything we can, humanly speaking, in our nation to make that work. And yet, right here, 2017, we are more divided than ever. We're going to look at just a couple of passages that hopefully point us toward how this is possible in the Bible. How is it possible? So let me just read these few verses from Revelation 7. It's a picture of heaven. And this is what John says as he sees this vision. He says, after these things, he's talking about a number of things he's previously seen, I looked... And this is what I saw, a vast multitude which no one could count from every nation and from all the tribes and peoples and languages of the earth standing before the throne and before the Lamb, which is Christ, dressed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and in a loud voice they cried out saying, salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. John 
sees a picture of heaven. And in that picture, he sees this. He sees a multitude of people worshipping. I suppose a bit like us, we were worshipping. We're not necessarily a multitude of people. But here, it's a picture of a multitude of people worshipping. And it describes that people. That this people who are worshipping together, one, you can't count them, there are so many. Two, they are from every nation, every tribe, people, and language on the throne, uh, on the earth. They are from all of those different places, and they are worshipping the one person. They're worshipping Jesus. They're worshipping the Lamb. Jesus is the focus of their worship. Now, a couple of other things that you can pick out from them, from this story. They are dressed in white robes. So you can't distinguish between the people. It's not describing different personalities or what people look like. They're all dressed in the same thing. And what are they dressed in? We know what they're dressed in. They're dressed in the righteousness which comes from being in Christ. It's the only way they can all look the same. They're dressed in his righteousness, so they look the same. Now, it paints this picture And sometimes you can think, oh my goodness, yeah, I get it. I get the picture of heaven. And probably every Christian I know would agree with that. Oh yeah, I'm longing for that day. Are you longing for that day? Yeah? I want you to stand up if you're longing for the day when Jesus... Okay, Paul's standing up and Mark. Okay, so Paul and Mark and me, thank you, hallelujah. You're longing for that day where that picture of heaven is a reality. I want you to stand. If you're longing for that day, you're like, oh God, I I want that day. I'm looking for that day. Now, I want you to stay standing, so you don't have to stand. (laughs) I want you to stay standing if you believe, no matter how fragile the belief that there should be an expression of that day in this day on earth. Okay, so John's not playing games. Okay, okay, we could all sit down because that might have been difficult for us to go, oh, well, you know, I'm not sure. I've got some questions. Now, all of us believe, and, and if, if you brought any politician here and you said, look, there could be an expression of this on the earth, they say, of course we want that. We all want that. We all want there to be an expression of that day in this day. Like specifically, God, could you do that? Could you bring the nations, the people from different back, could you do that? Bring them together in this day where they would worship the king. So we're going to just look into a passage that helps point to that day. And in fact, I, I would go as far as this. You know, when, when, when Dave prayed, he, 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 called it, he, he sort of prayed that there is no one like you, Jesus. Yeah? And, and it's true. There is no one like Jesus. So what we're going to read in the Bible in Ephesians, I, I can promise you, and I haven't read every other book on religion or faith or philosophy. I haven't read all of those. But I can promise you this. No one does what Jesus does. No one can do what Jesus has done. No one makes the way that Jesus has made. 
And so whether or not we're looking at religion or we're just looking at human effort, we have failed here. The danger is that the church fails here as well because we don't quite believe it. We don't quite get it. We don't quite think it's possible. So I'm going to read um, a passage from Ephesians chapter 2. So just, just bear with me as I read. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. It says this. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles by birth, and we are all Gentiles by birth, who were called uncircumcision by those who called themselves circumcision itself, a mere mark, which is made in the flesh by human hands, remember that at that time you were separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of the promise, having no hope and in the world without God. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once so far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace and our bond of unity. He made both groups, that's Jews and Gentiles, into one body and he broke down the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing in his flesh the hostility caused by the law with its commandments contained in ordinances. So that in himself he might make the two into one new man or one new humanity, thereby establishing peace. And he might reconcile both of them, that is the Jew and the Gentile, into one body to God through the cross, thereby putting to death the hostility. And he came and preached the good news of peace to you, Gentiles who were far away, and peace to those Jews who were near. For it is through him that we both have a way of approach in one spirit to the Father. So then, that's all true. You are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are members of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure is joined together and it continues growing into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. In many ways, there is not a more relevant passage of the Bible for us today. In many ways. Because we live in a world where we have got so confused by difference. There is so much hostility around it that we really don't know what to do next. So we're going to look briefly at this passage. So I'm just going to cover a few background issues, hopefully really quickly. 
This passage talks about the Jews and the Gentiles and the fact that there were things that separated them. It's actually Paul writing to the Ephesians and they are Gentiles. Yeah, So he's writing to the Gentiles and his reason for writing to the Gentiles was to remind them of where they've come from. And his reason for doing that was they had become a little bit proud and a little bit boastful as to who they were. Because they had found this freedom in Christ which that was without laws and ordinances and rules. The Jews still continued very much in that kind of thing. And they were kind of being a little bit boastful in their freedom. And Paul was saying, no, 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 you need to remember. You need to remember where you've come from. And if you remember where you've come from, you won't act like that. You need to remember. So he's speaking to the Gentiles in relation to this. Now, there were differences between the Jews and the Gentiles. The Jews were, a, if you like, a, they were a small community, but there was quite a lot of hostility against them, and part of it was to do with the way they operated. They kind of set themselves apart. They were kind of different. They functioned differently. We can't eat with you because of various laws around food. We can't worship with you. We can't hang with you. We can't fellowship with you. That was kind of how the Jews operated. No, no, we're over here. We are God's people. It was that that made people hostile towards them. You imagine how somebody, how you feel when some people say, no, 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 you, no we're, we're over here. You're like, who do you think you are? What do you mean you're over there? Who, what do you think, you're better than us? That was kind of the attitude that people had towards the Jews. And the Jews didn't think that was wrong. They just thought, yeah, that's the way we are. Yeah, you know, we've got God. Yeah? And the people struggled with it because their God, you couldn't even see him. So when you went into the temple of the Jews, you didn't find a statue or, 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 or anything. You found nothing. Why? Because they didn't worship the God they could see. They worshipped a God they could not see. And that in itself confused people. So there was hostility between Jews and others. And it's weird because the Jews were oppressed. The Jews were under Roman occupation. And yet even under that Roman occupation, there was this sense of, well, we're a bit set apart. We're a bit different to you. And that caused hostility. Those things that separated them caused hostility. And because of that, people were on the outside and, and, and what they thought, what the Jews thought was this. Look, you know, you can benefit from being part of God's people, but in order to benefit, you must first become Jew. So come in, get circumcised, come and deal with all the food laws that we have, and then you too can benefit. And obviously the gospel said something different and Paul was preaching something different. He was like, no, 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 no. You do not need to do any of that thing. Which is why it's by grace. It's, not, it's nothing to do with our efforts. It's only to do with faith in Jesus that counts. So there were these differences. Now the truth is, we can have differences with people. And the truth is, like the Jews, we can think of ourselves superior to people based on those differences. Well, do you know, we, we have the truth. We, no, we have the real truth. No, we have the real, you know, the deep. We can separate ourselves from people because of things we think we have. And, and, and sometimes it can be religious. Sometimes it's purely cultural. Sometimes it's, you know, I just grew up in just this kind of place where, I, you know, things happen for me and things work. We can separate ourselves from people. And when we do that, we miss something. Now it gets so bad in our world that we almost think, 
how can that ever really change? You know, you can kind of think that. How can it ever really change? It's so ingrained. It is so deep. How can it ever really change? If you think about how many people uh, these days, if you think about the numbers of people who get married today as opposed to the numbers of people that got married previously, far fewer people get married today. And not only do people not get married, and, and people have lost faith in the institution of marriage. Absolutely. They've lost faith in it. They don't marry. Why do we need to marry? It's only a bit of paper. Yet we do not give up on marriage for those reasons. We do not give up on marriage because the Bible speaks very clearly about it. So we recognize and we understand that marriage is a gift from God. Yeah? So despite what the world tells me, I accept that marriage is a gift from God because the Bible tells me that. Yeah? In the same way, this picture that we paint of the world of people being united, that is the work of God. It's not a work of man. It's not something that we have to put, oh, I've got to put my effort into it and I don't even know what I'm doing. No, it's a work of God. Yeah? Ephesians 2 says what he has done. It doesn't tell us simply what he's going to do. It's what he has done because this work comes fully round to the cross. It is the cross that makes it possible. It's not you and it's not me. So how then, as a church, do we create a culture that is different to what we see in the world and it allows aliens to become friends, it allows uh, foreigners to become partners and it, it allows all of those things. How do we do it? Because that is what we must do. We must create that culture because without that culture, do you know what we do? We disempower the gospel. Because it's like we say, the gospel has so much power but not so much power. The gospel saves me, hallelujah, thank you Jesus, but the gospel does not bring me into peaceful relationships with people who are different, even though it says it does. So when we don't do it, we disempower. It's almost like we limit the power of Jesus to change us and to change others. And I don't want us to limit the power of God. I want us to go with the power of God and go, God, this is what you say, so this is what we will do. So how do we do that? Just three things, just based around that passage. The first thing that we see in this passage is we find that there is a culture of change in our status. So the first thing Paul tells them is remember who you were. It would have been very easy, if we go back to that picture of the blue and the red uh, people, which I think is quite a powerful picture. If one day the red person goes into the blue group. And then, replacing the red person is a green person. But the red person forgets what it was like to be green, to be on the outside, and he begins to talk like, oh yeah, what, who are they? We're, they're less than us. Do you know what? It's really easy to do that. It's really easy to forget where you've come from. It's really easy to join a church, get connected, and forget what it was like to be new, and therefore you no longer reach out to new people in the way that you once might have done, and the way that maybe people reached out to you. So, so Paul is reminding them, just remember where you came from. You lived without hope. You lived without God. But now, 
you've come into this relationship because of God. You have been brought near. So it's not something you've done. You have been brought near. If we keep that mindset, that leads us to a place of humility. I'll never think I'm better when I remember, no, I was an alien. I was a sinner. I will not put barriers in front of other sinners that were not there for me. I will not judge them in ways I was not judged. I was received by grace. I will receive others by grace. We must remember where we've come from. Remember who we are. We're taking all these young people to New Day. One of the things that the guys need to remember, and I know they will, is I was here once. So when their friends are doing things and saying things that they no longer think and do, and they're like, oh my goodness, you're saying that in New Day? No, 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 I, rem I remember, come on. I remember. We need to remember. We need to remember what it's like to be on the outside. And, and if you think to yourself, do you know what? I've never felt on the outside. <laughs> yeah, I've just never felt that. I've always felt on the inside. Yeah? First of all, I can take you to some places where you'll feel on the outside. <laughs> yeah? And you can go through those experiences in a moment and you can go, oh, okay, yeah, 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 I get it. Yeah? Or you need to say, God, I recognize, yeah? I recognize that I am on the, I was on the outside. I was a sinner. It doesn't matter the fact that I was born into a Christian family. I was a sinner. I was saved by grace. I was not saved by hereditary. I, it wasn't a hereditary thing that happened to me. It was salvation by grace through faith. That's what happened to me. So we must remember our status because if you remember your status, you, that will keep you humble. Also, it will mean when you minister to people, you won't minister to them in any kind of a patronizing way. Oh, yeah, we're going to help you. No. <laughs> That's not what the picture shows. The second thing we must do, so we need to create a culture where always... Now, when I say create a culture... Um, which is like the way we do it around here. That's kind of what I mean by culture. It doesn't mean that you need to walk around going, just remember, everyone, just remember who I am. Just remember. That's not how... We create a culture by always being mindful of these things. The second thing we want to do is create a culture where we are genuinely reliant on the blood of Jesus to bring peace in our relationships. And we are not reliant on our ability to find common ground. Common ground does not do the same thing. We have peace in relationships because of the blood. We don't have peace in relationships because we've worked really hard at finding common ground. We must understand that. Fundamentally, peace comes through the blood. Yeah, Because that's what it says. He himself is our peace. He made the two groups one. He broke down the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility that existed between us. The hostilities that are natural between people, Jesus dealt with them at the cross. In the same way he dealt with the hostility that exists between you and God, Jesus became the barrier. Jesus took upon himself that hostility. He deals with the hostility that exists between you and the person sitting next to you. And that hostility might not be obvious. It's not that we're all necessarily getting up and like, we're like, we're like this. But you know when I talk about the misunderstandings, the miscommunication, and your response to it is this. Why do they do that? Why do they say that? Why do they go there? Why do they operate like that? Why do they do that? Why, 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 why? Yeah? You never think of going to say, uh, ask or find out 
or say, maybe there's something I can learn here. It's always, I'm asking the question, why? Why are they doing that? I don't understand. Well, I, better, I better just withdraw a bit because I don't understand what's quite going on there. I don't know why they respond that. Why do they say those things? Why do they operate like that? Why do they raise their children in that way? That's often what we do. But that does not bring peace and that does not reconcile relationship. But the cross does. But you have to believe that. In the same way I believe that because of the cross I am saved and that Jesus doesn't look upon my sin in the way that he used to, I believe that I can be reconciled with every person who loves the Lord, regardless of their background, regardless of the language difference, regardless of any of those things. I can do that. And because I believe that, one of the ways of showing I believe that is actually not to always find common ground in natural things. Because when I look for common ground in natural things, I only look for people who I kind of have things in common with anyway. Because it's much easier. You know, if you like football, you might not really... I love football. Yeah, I do. I I really love football. We've got our nephew coming to live with us for a year. He just moved in yesterday. And I realised, we're sitting watching the telly, I thought, oh, he loves sport. Yeah, he loves sport. And so I'm, you know, not that the girls don't love sport, but they're not, maybe they're not quite there. Um, with the sport thing. So I've had to learn common ground isn't what really matters, doesn't really make the family because we all love football. So if you really believe that what the Bible says is true, that peace in relationships comes through the cross, it doesn't come through common ground, you need to find a way where common ground isn't what you lean into because that is naturally what we lean into, common ground. And if we lean into common ground, we only then lean with people that kind of, oh, well, it kind of works there, I don't kind of, no, no. I'm I'm one with my brother because of the cross. Not because I can relate or because of things that we have in common. And so if you're able to do that, so these two things, there's a culture that leads to humility. That's the first thing. When I always remember where I come from, that leads to humility. I'm constantly reminding myself. Secondly, there's this culture that relies upon the cross and it leads to peace. Now, peace is not what you expect when you bring people together from all these different backgrounds. Yeah, let's be honest. We don't live in a world that is full of peace. Yeah, that's why we have certain types of legislation because, because people, when they come together, we need, we need legislation to stop the battle, to stop the war, to stop the prejudice, to stop the discrimination. We need that. Without that, we wouldn't live with peace. But here... It tells us that there is peace. And the peace is found in Christ. So you kind of can't deviate too far from Jesus if you're going to do this. Because the moment you deviate, you move away from the place where peace is found. It's the same with your relationship with God. The moment you move away from I'm saved by grace to I'm saved by some other form, I begin to try. I begin to get down because I don't get to do it. I'm, oh God, I didn't do well this week. Oh, God, I, was, I slept in when I should have been praying. Oh, God, I had a bad thought. Do you know what? Jesus isn't worrying about all those things. Yeah? He's not up there going, oh, my goodness, look upon What are they thinking there? Who did that? That's not what Jesus is doing. What Jesus wants you to do is say thank you. <laughs> yeah? When, one of the things I love, and we do it all the time when we do communion, it just reminds us of what God has done for us. And in reminding us, it's like, thank you. Thank you. I can't say anything else because there's nothing I can do. All I can say is thank you. 
Now, Romans tells us as a result of saying thank you, as a result of the cross, therefore, live your life in a particular way. But in the end, the fundamental thing is thank you. And so we need in our relationships to discover peace based on what Jesus has done, not peace based on common ground. And then the third thing, that if we are able to be humble, if we're able to find peace, is you build together. And what that does is it leads to unity and purpose, and it leads to this. And this sounds just spiritual, but it's more than just spiritual. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place of God in the spirit. Now, today, to us, that sounds, yeah, yeah, I get that, you know, we're, you know, God with us, blah, 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 blah. But the reality is that unless we do this, God does not dwell in our midst by his spirit. He needs that humility. He needs that peace in order that he comes. He needs that unity that comes because of those things for us to dwell, to dwell with us. And it's only when we do that that we become the kind of people that the world looks on and goes, something's going on down there that don't make any sense to me. Yeah, I don't understand it. I don't get how these people are. I don't understand how their relationships are. They must just, are they just faking it? Are they just putting it on? We want people to say that, don't we? We want people to look at us and go, what is going on down there? What are you guys doing? That's the kind of thing we want people to say. But not because we're faking it, not because we're putting it on, but because we've recognised peace comes through the cross. And peace doesn't just bring peace between me and God, it brings peace between me and my fellow man who I would otherwise be in hostile relationship with. So, where do we go with this? We want to create this culture. It's around our status, it's around our relationships, our building. There's a question around faith. Do you actually believe it? Because for many, many years, many Christians simply looked at Revelation 7, 9 and thought, oh, I long for that day. I long for that heavenly expression. I don't expect that on earth, but I long for it there. I think God is challenging us to have faith for it now. To live it now. To do this thing now. The real point here, though, is this. It's only through Jesus. Yeah? So in the end, it comes back. It comes back to the same place that all these things come back to. You could say, uh, it's like the child in... Um, uh, a friend of mine who preached at my last church, he, he always tells the story of the, of the Sunday school um, uh, kid who they're being told a story and they're describing, I don't know what it is, a snake or an elephant or what it is. And his answer to that is, it sounds like an elephant, but I'm sure it's meant to be Jesus. I'm sure the answer must be Jesus. Everything comes back to this. It comes back to Jesus. We have hope because of Jesus. We were aliens but can become family because of Jesus. We were brought close because of Jesus. Hostility has been done away with because of Jesus. Peace comes because of Jesus. We can build together because of Jesus and we can change the world because of Jesus. It comes down to him. It doesn't come down to me. So I preach this boldly because it's not about me. It's like, oh my goodness, Owen, you are setting yourself up. 
Yeah, I ain't setting myself up. Yeah, all I'm doing is trying to unpack what the Bible actually says to us. The question is, will we trust Jesus or not? That's where we go. We're going to finish now. We're going to sing together. Sarah and Kate are going to come out. And we're going to sing a song, um, which is about Jesus. Um, and I think that, 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 that there's a couple of things. First of all, it may be that you're like, okay, this is, yeah, I get it, I get it, but, you know, this is really challenging for me because, do you know what, I don't really like people. I don't like people who are not like me. I struggle with people, yeah? And, and that's fine. That's fine because what you do is you just bring that to Jesus, yeah? You bring your struggles to Jesus. You don't take your struggles to your mate. You bring them to Jesus. So if that's your struggle, if your struggle is... The way I have been treated means that I struggle. You bring the struggle to Jesus. Because he, in his body on the tree, when his blood was shed, he dealt with that. And he made it possible for you to be at peace with your neighbour. No matter what your neighbour looks like. And there might be others of us where we're still thinking, we're a little bit apathetic. We're like, well, yeah, I get it, I get it, kind of, I understand but you know what, it doesn't really touch me. It's not really an issue for me. I have enough social soft skills to be able to make it work, whether I really believe it or not. Do you know what, in the end, if you do not have a robust enough theology around this, this could, this could scupper faith. It could scupper faith in the same way, if you don't have a robust theology around suffering, there could come a point where you give up on Jesus because of suffering. You need to understand that God is, uh, God is with you when you suffer. Yeah? You need to understand that God is with you. He is with us. That he did not gather this group of people together just randomly. I don't pay you any money to come here. Yeah? Now, someone, you might think, oh, yeah, I just get forced. Dave calls me, and I feel like I've got to go to church. Yeah? <laughs> now, we know that doesn't really happen. These boys, they don't come just because they might do. Some of them might do. <laughs> they start like that. They end with, oh, Jesus. They end with Jesus. So if that's you, if you think to yourself, do you know what, there are things in me that this has raised, and you want prayer this morning, then you can just come out here, and, you know, we can, people can pray for you, if you want to do that. The other thing I want to do, the other appeal I want to make is this. There might be people here who have never, you've never given your life to Jesus. You kind of come to church because these days people come to church and they're not yet Christian. And if that's you, then you need to understand, if, you, if you're coming to church but you're not yet a Christian, you need to understand that this peace that he offers is not just in the relationships with others, it is with God himself. You can have peace with God by coming to Jesus. And I can only say that you don't know what that's like. You don't know the joy, the freedom that that brings when you think, do you know what, I'm not trying anymore. I'm not trying to prove my life. I'm not trying to make my own difference. I'm not trying to be significant. I am just trusting in Jesus. If that's you, if you've never given your life to Jesus and you want to do that this morning, then you just come out here. And there'll be people who will come and they'll talk to you and they'll pray with you. And it's just a simple step but it can make a massive difference to your life. Let's stand together.
and let's sing this song together and you can come while we're singing and we'll just go through the song if you haven't come by then that's fine we'll, we'll end the meeting at the end of this song you have just listened to a Beacon Church recording if you would like more information about us our vision, the team or upcoming events please visit our website which is beacon-church.org you can email us at office at beacon-church.com or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.